This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 16th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And there's a lot to talk about on today's show. So much going on. We know the pandemic is worsening. What will the government reaction be, not just on the federal level, but also the local level as well? Uh, we had vaccine news that came out today that was uh, once again positive. How does that play into the longer term uh, impacts of potentially going, getting back to work, right? Or getting back to normalcy, shall we say? But uncertainty still remains, and we need to try to break through that uncertainty and find the opportunities in the market. And once again, there was a resurgence or a continued surgence uh, into growth stocks, or sorry, value stocks away from growth stocks. And that is kind of a change of, of scenery for the markets. Uh, another change of scenery is inflation. Inflation is rising. Uh, all indicators, if you're looking at break-evens, you're looking at uh, the, the dollar, you're looking at what I believe is now structural inflation coming. Right? QE is at the end of its rope. We can talk about what the Fed can do, and they will likely do more at some point. Uh, but adding more debt onto the system is actually deflationary. And that's why you've seen the overall disinflation. Maybe not outright deflation, but disinflation over the past decade, despite the money printing, despite the QE, because QE just adds more debt to the system. And debt is a burden to the system. What the next phase is, we can see. It's pretty obvious. They're going to print money. I'm not telling you this is the the right way to go. Uh, This is the right policy, but that's what is happening. Likely to happen is printing money, spending money, getting into the pockets of people to repair balance sheets, personal balance sheets, as well as corporate balance sheets. That's what PPP was, right? That 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 re uh, repaired the corporate balance sheets that were out there, both on large companies as well as small companies as well. So the next phase is getting money into the hands of people, and that will create the inflation, uh, as well as shift to supply chains away from China. There's so so many factors that are starting to reverse that we've seen for many, many years to where money was, or or, or the, the trends were towards more debt and more outsourcing. Now the government will take on, continue to take on more debt, right? That's since the financial crisis, that's really what's happened. Debt has shifted from private sector, banks and individuals, to the government side. Our debt as a country has grown immensely since the financial crisis, and that's set to continue. Now, when will that matter? I can't tell you. But we can see the process that's playing out here in real time, and this is going to play into the markets, right? Higher inflation is a condition that we have not seen for a long, long time, right? It's been disinflation for decades now, really since the 70s, and this will be a resurgence, and it's going to be important for you to understand how to take advantage of that, because that's not necessarily a bad thing. Typically, stocks go up 
in an inflationary environment up to a certain point. So what is that point? How do we navigate this environment? Okay. So I'm going to do my best on this program and podcast to provide you with my unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions, help you understand the environment that we're in to develop strategies to deal with the volatility and find the opportunities. So I'm here. I'm ready. Paul's at 888.99 chart, 888-992-4278. Let's take a quick look at the market today. S&P up about four points, a little over 1%. Uh, the, the NASDAQ, that was a little bit of, of, a, of a lagger, a little up, a little bit less than 1%. Positive news out of Moderna. That certainly helped the market. It looks like they're getting closer to a vaccine, but it's not the end all be all. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of room between now and when everyone gets vaccinated or even hits the market. So a lot to discuss and a lot to unpack for today's show. Now you can tell I have an information pack podcast for you today. So let's get right to our first caller at 888.99 chart. Hey, Stephen, Justin. Love the show. I'm looking to potentially invest in the company NIO and I wanted to get your take on the company. The company has been rising and I just wanted to know if I missed my chance. Just looking forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you. I think you did. Yesterday, or Friday at least, was the a big reversal day, massive volume, closed near the, the lower half of the candle for yesterday on the record volume. Uh, sorry, Friday. <laughs> I keep saying yesterday. Uh, but this is an overvalued name. They only This is a Chinese electric car maker. There's a lot of manipulation going on with these Chinese stocks. Uh, they only sell about 5,000 cars. Uh, very, very low revenue, very, very low earnings. It's just, uh, once again, one of these story stocks. And you need to start thinking about moving away from the story stocks. These are not going to be in fashion here for a little while, especially if inflation picks up. Right For years now, growth stocks have done better. And that is starting to change in a dramatic way. And if you see inflation, which I do think is coming, and it's already started to, to, to perk up, if you look at the inflation indicators, in that environment, you'll see higher interest rates, which we've seen, right? We know that the 10-year is headed uh, or started about three months ago, four months ago in August at about 0.5%, call it. Now we're pressing up against that 1% mark on the 10-year. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a 100% increase in the cost of borrowing on the 10-year, right? And that discount rate is very vital to the multiples that these growth stocks carry today. So if you have higher interest rates and you have a reopening of the economy, which changes the narrative from you know, towards these tech stocks, towards the software stocks, you know, because, oh, uh, everyone's just using technology nonstop, especially uh, in, in the midst of a pandemic. If that story reverses, you're starting to see that now with the Zooms, right? The Netflix, those stocks are very weak. That story is the past. The future story is rising inflation, a reopening economy, and money flowing towards the value side of the market. And that is, the, that is the future, and I think we're getting near the peak on many of these very expensive tech stocks, and NEO is one of them. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're moving fast towards the end of the year, just a month and a half left. Thankfully, right? It's been a crazy year, a wild year, but we know that it is crucial going into the end of the year to manage your risk, balance your portfolio to find the right opportunities, and create effective strategies. 
So I'm here. I'm ready to take your questions right now. Your participation is vital to this show, an important part of the mix. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. You can get your free Invest Talk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or investtalk.com. The Anytime Listener lines never close. Steve and Justin are waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's go over what we're going to discuss today. My focus point today is the story that amid coronavirus changes, some Gen Z and millennials have stumbled into savings. We're going to talk about the change in habits for that generation and many other generations as well and the shift towards more saving, especially now that they realize, hey, anything could upend our lives, our financial situations, and we need a, a bigger nest egg, right? Uh, emergency fund. And that's certainly, uh, and there's been habits that just they're saving people money as well. So we're going to unpack that story. Also, going back to higher inflation, what higher inflation has brought and will continue to bring is higher interest rates. And what does that mean for bonds and potentially even real estate as well, which we all know, mortgage rates, very important to the price of real estate. Next, Federal Reserve, what will the next steps be? If we go to another shutdown, which I don't think we will, but let's just say the resurgence continues. It looks like it will. The resurgence in cases is going to eliminate economic activity, even if the government doesn't do anything, right? People are going to eat out less. You're already seeing this with open table reservations dropping. That's just habits of people not wanting to go out if they're seeing a surge, a resurge of cases in their communities. So, uh, what will the Fed or what can the Fed do in order to at least boost economic activity in the near term? What their reaction will be. So we're going to talk about that. And lastly, buybacks and what that will mean for returns going over the next decade. Now let's keep things moving. Go right back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier from Michigan. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Tim from Michigan. I'm looking to take a position in airlines as kind of a recovery, COVID recovery option. And I'd like to do that prior to any more good news coming out about vaccines and additional treatment options. I was wondering if you would advise against that, if you think that's a good idea. And if so, whether I'd be better off purchasing two or three of the larger airlines, such as Delta, American Airlines and Southwest, or if I would be better off purchasing a position in an ETF such as Jets that uh, handles most of the airlines. Thank you for your input. Well, the easiest thing would just to buy Jets, right? Uh, you're going to be more diversified, and it's you're going to capture most of the upside of the names that do rally. Now, you you can do better by finding the, the names that will benefit the most from a reopening, uh, the companies that have the best balance sheets, right, that aren't going to have to, even though things are going to return somewhat to, nor to normal, excuse me, that doesn't mean that it's going to go back to 100%. We talked about the change in business travel. And those that are less reliant on business travel are probably going to do better. 
than the ones that previously were very reliant on business travel. So if you have a bad balance sheet and you were reliant on business travel, that can be an issue. But if you have a good balance sheet and you're more reliant on leisure travel, that's certainly something that I think will come back sooner. And so you could shift your strategy towards the names that uh, are, are going to, you know, are, where the latter versus the former, right? So that's the strategy that I would take. Um, you know, long term, I don't love the airlines. Only a few of them are consistently profitable longer term. And so I would maybe think about those names. Um, and that's the way I would do it. I would, I would look at the specific names, good balance sheets that are, that are more leisure, uh, that cater to the leisure travel more than the business. And I would invest in a handful of those as opposed to, like I said, the former, which are bad balance sheets and business. Business travelers. All right, let's uh, let's move to let's move on to our main focus point today, and that is the changes that many young people have kind of stumbled into lifestyle changes post pandemic that will uh, probably shape them for many years. We've talked about this before that major life events like a pandemic shape different generations in different ways, uh, and. Many of the younger generation, young millennials, Gen Z even, right? Older Gen Zs are in their early 20s now, right? The oldest are between 18 and 23. And they report that they or someone in their household has lost a job or taken a pay cut because of COVID. And this has changed their spending habits. According to Wells Fargo's annual retirement study, 17% of Gen Zers changed their living situation since the onset of the pandemic. So many of them moved home. Right, maybe losing their jobs, maybe feeling less secure, and that has certainly changed that, that their behavior. Satan, and so after the break, what I want to get to is what has that what has that ultimately resulted in when it comes to saving? And I'm going to look more broadly to the entire population. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how, over the past nine months or so, we as a country have changed our habits on the spending and saving level. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. You need to manage your fear and greed by balancing the risk in your portfolio. And we can help you do that. So I want to hear from you. I want to help you achieve your objective. And that means I'm welcoming your live calls right now. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. at the calendar. We are into November and on our way to Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Of course, the holidays may look a little different this year, but now you've got finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I touched on how many younger people, Gen Zers, young millennials are moving home, uh, 17% of them, in fact, during the pandemic. But what's more interesting is that the savings rate across the board reached 33.7% in April, right? It's amazing. When you shut down all the businesses, it's very hard for people to go out there and spend. All they can do is spend money at the grocery store and at the gas pump, pretty much. But since reaching that high, the rate has hovered around 20% since which is still very high. Before the pandemic, the savings rate was only 7.5%. So it's more than doubled since. Okay, Now, over 16% of Gen Z and 18% of millennials started saving more, however, 
for retirement since the pandemic, which is good. But an equal number of them are also deferring savings for retirement. So some are upping their savings, saying I'm not spending as much. Others may be more worried about their credit card debt, their, uh, their, their, their potential income, and they're cutting or pausing their contributions. Okay. So many simple things like cooking at home, not eating out, not going to get that Starbucks. They're actually spending less money for the most part, which is a good thing. And I think this is a shift, not only from a technological standpoint, but a habit standpoint. If you do stuff, you know, when all businesses shut down, it kind of forces you to explore other avenues to get certain things done, like eat, right? You got to learn how to cook. You get in the habits of buying things, going to the grocery store. Those are habits that tend to last. And you're still seeing that. While growth of grocery shopping has decelerated, it's still growing much faster in the high single digits as opposed to before the pandemic was in the very low single digits, that growth year over year. So you're still seeing many people not only not eat out as much, but also commute less, drive less, spend money on traveling, right, for vacations, weddings, things like that. And that's freeing up more money to save. So uh, I think this is a lasting trend. And overall, it's a good thing. And this is what will also fuel potential inflation in the future. If you're taking this time to repair balance sheets, right, pay down debt, pay down credit card debt, pay down student loan debt, that is going to be money in the future, for individuals to spend, right? More balance sheet space for them to spend in the future when things do fully open. And that will also be a driver of inflation. So very interesting trends there. Now let's head over to Sacramento and we're going to talk to Bob and he's asking about TLT, which is the long 30-year treasury bond ETF. Are you looking to buy, sell, do you own it? What are you thinking? I'm thinking about buying it. Now, I've been out of the market for quite a while now. I, I'm not willing to lose any of my money that I have. And I'm thinking, would it be smart to buy TLT now if I think the market's going to go down 30% in six months? Or would it be better to just buy it if I'm, in my, my own view, thinking um, in two years the market might go down 70%? Uh, okay, so what, what do you think? Well, first off, why do you think that the market might decline that dramatically? Well, I, I just believe that. I mean, from what I read and listen to, I, I just that's in my own. And maybe it won't, but that's I, I strongly believe it, it could go down seventy percent in two years. Well, but what would be you know, the like, catalyst? Oh, there needs to be a catalyst, right? The, the market in 2008, you went down about uh, 50 plus percent, right? Over the span of about 18 months from the fall of 2007 to the spring of 2009. Okay. And the catalyst was a financial crisis uh, where banks stopped lending. There were defaults on consumer loans, especially mortgage, mortgage loans. And that w- created a deflationary force in the marketplace when banks stopped lending so so at all that will create that deflationary force and so what you're talking about is a massive deflationary force in the marketplace so my question to you is what is that catalyst well i think a lot of it is just 
we're going to owe so much money. They're going to print so much money. Okay. I did okay. very well in 07. I waited till 07 and 08. Okay. And I bought, actually at the bottom, and I did very well. And that's sitting on money for like three years. Okay. So I'm willing to sit on money. Okay. And that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Because well, went did pretty good last time. That's true. You are correct. If that does happen, that would be a very deflationary force in the marketplace. A very deflationary force. What you have to understand, though, is when you look at history, when you look at history, governments do not make the same mistake twice. Okay? They will do it a little bit differently. And they may make the same mistake generations forward. Not to say there won't be a financial crisis, but it's too fresh in the minds, right? This is why the government is is, is talking about fiscal spending, right? Large-scale fiscal spending in the trillions of dollars, right? They see what you see, but they're shifting their policy. And that is likely going to drive inflation. And you need to look farther back than 2008. You need to look back to the 40s and the 50s. This is when we had yield curve control and the government spent a lot of money to, and a lot of it was on the war, but after as well. So I don't think that's going to happen. If you do think there's going to be a 70% crash, absolutely TLT is a great place to be. I think you're very wrong though, because I don't think the government is going to allow it. They will step in, they will spend money, they will create inflation, and that is the next step in the process Fiscal policy, no longer monetary policy. Thanks for the call. 888 chart I'm Justin Klein. I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use. 
and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, in the next Invest Talk, this story. According to labor economists, markets who re- markets, sorry, workers who remain out of a job within six months enter a financial financially precarious period, and long-term unemployment is ballooning. So I'll cover that story tomorrow. But let's dig in a little more to what, and this relates a little bit to the last caller. Uh, and that reminds me to urge you guys, urge my listeners, that what, the way that you think the world should work the way that you want the world to work, the the way that you want the world to be, does not matter. Doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is what the world is. And trust me, I've been there before. You know, I, I see the debt that we pile up as a country. Okay? But it's one factor. And you have to look at all of the factors that are happening in the world. How are markets going to react? Right? What does certain policy mean for the economy, markets, industries, sectors, companies, etc.? And while, yes, we are in a terrible fiscal situation, it doesn't mean anything yet. It's not manifesting in a market crash. We've been in bad fiscal situation for years now. Right? QE has papered over it a lot. Are we likely to see higher interest rates? Yes. But we're not going to see higher interest rates because we have more debt. It's not why we see higher interest rates. Look at Japan. Japan has had double the level of debt to GDP for decades now. Probably over a decade maybe a couple decades, for a long, long time, much bigger than where we're at today. And they've had interest rates at rock bottom, at basically zero, for a long period of time. Has that crashed their economy? No, the crash happened a long time ago, right? Early 90s. But that was a real estate crash, and they slowly recovered. But they're country hasn't fallen apart from a fiscal situation. And they're using the same policies. We are Japan, right? We're using the same policies, except talking about printing more money, spending more money. Very different what the, than, than what the Japanese have done. 
And so that's the next phase. And once again, I'm not telling you that that is the best that we can do, the right way to handle policy. My opinion, and frankly, your opinion, does not matter. Okay? You have to look at the situation and assess it for what it is, not what you want it to be. Okay, let's go to Emilio in San Francisco. He wants to talk about hotels. Hi, Justin. How are you? Good, good, Emilio. Long time no talk. Yeah, no, it, it's been a while, but I always listen and thank you for keeping us always grounded. And you're, you know, you're very uh, objective. I love the show, man. I don't miss one one, one day. Uh, Appreciate it. My question is about hotels because they're recovering. I realize you can't suggest one, but would you would you say Hilton is a good one to buy? Hilton Hotels, I think. Uh, what's the symbol on that? HST. Is that what it is? Uh, HLT. Yeah. HLT. HLT. Um, I believe. I I don't. You know, Hilton's. Uh, I think one of the better ones. Uh, you know, they have a pretty good balance sheet. If, I, if I'm remembering correctly, they have a pretty good balance sheet. I have to let me look this up here. I know they were struggling mightily. Um, let me look at the balance sheet. Yeah, they have a decent amount of debt, um, but their business is pretty flexible. They've re- they've eliminated their dividend. Uh, the the chart is now technically it actually looks pretty strong. It looks pretty good. Uh, you know, I don't think you're gonna get that dividend back any soon. I think they're gonna try to repair the balance sheets and and really uh, get the their business stabilized. And it's gonna be a little while. And I think this speaks again to Business versus leisure. How much of Hilton's business is travelers typically versus leisure, and that's the that's the analysis that we're doing on a lot of these names. You know, we're not we 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 like some of the airlines, but we like the the hotel industry more. Um, we're still doing our research on that uh, to figure out which ones are more levered towards the leisure side of the business as opposed to the business side. So that's what I would be looking at. More so that side, except besides just the name, right? Don't think just the name, a big name, is going to be the one that's going to uh, get through this on the other side in the best manner. Uh, it's going to be take leadership. It's going to take a good balance sheet. It's going to take a good business model and, and good business sense. Uh, and it's going to be a little while. I know it seems like uh, everything's going to come back to normal rather quickly, and you're probably going to be disappointed in that. But I like some of the hotel names. You know, we're looking at more of Las Vegas, uh, to be honest with you, and Macau. Those exposures, uh, that's our first line of exposure that we're going to be taking in this space once we really feel that the reopening is actually going to happen. So thanks for the call, Emilio. Now let's make it a twofer. Two call questions in a row. The next call came in earlier on 888 chart Hello. How are you doing? I'm Zach. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I uh, love the show. I'm recently trying to move out of some of my tech stocks and move into more some of some value plays and get some exposure in other parts of the market. I'm looking at ticker symbol RTLR, Rattler Midstream, taking a big hit over the last few months. I uh, wonder if it can uh, get a recovery was also looking at another play at Summit Midstream, SMLP. Is there any potential upside to these, or, or is it a falling knife? Uh, love the show. Thanks for everything. Well, SMLP is in a very dire financial situation. Uh, this looks like a bankruptcy candidate waiting to happen. 
it looks like they've eliminated their dividend. Uh, so understand that you're not going to get a dividend there. Same with Summit, uh, but their balance sheet uh, looks a little bit better, it seems. Uh, let me take a look at this. Not sorry, not not Summit. Rattler, excuse me. Summer was the one that's in trouble. Rattler looks uh look it's in a little better position. They're still paying their dividend, even though they cut it, right? They have cut it, uh, but not dramatically. It's still about eleven percent yield. And in relation to their cash flow, in relation to their debt, um, that's the better play. But remember, this is a limited partnership. So there are some issues around holding it in ta- in uh, in retirement accounts. So understand that with your ta- with your tax accountant, and understand that any income in a taxable account is your tax at your ordinary income tax rate. So understand that as well. So if I'm picking one, I'm definitely picking Rattler because of the balance sheet and the chart looks definitely better. I'll say that. So I'm going to go with Rattler over Summit. I'm Justin Klein. And Steve Pease and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk and also for telling your friends and family members about our free Invest Talk, our investment and finance financial guidance podcast. And of course, you're welcome to call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, whenever you need help. We would love to help you. We want to help you right now. And you can always always over, always head over to our website, investtalk.com. We have a number of resources to help you build a solid financial future. And if you're unsure where to start, I suggest you take our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire to help you define your, define your risk invest comfort zone. And we can compare that score with your overall investment portfolio and figure out whether you're invested properly or not. Now our phone lines are open, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Krish from New Jersey. Uh, Enjoy your show very much. I listen to it every day. I have a question about the ticker symbol GBTC. Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. I want to know what are some of the pros and cons of owning this uh, ticker symbol. Thank you so much. Um, looking forward to uh, listening to your response uh, in the in the podcast. Thank you. Bye bye. Are looking at GBTC, which is the Bitcoin Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, and this is uh, an ETF that follows the price of Bitcoin now. It does, the NAV is higher than the underlying Bitcoin price. So you're paying a premium to own it in a brokerage account. And that's really the, the biggest downside I see. There's, there's fees as well. Uh, you're going to pay an annual uh, expense ratio of about 2%. So you're paying a premium and 2%. So if you really want to gain exposure, big exposure, you probably want to own Bitcoin in a different manner. Now, if you want to own a little bit of exposure, which is how I, I use this to, uh, to gain exposure to Bitcoin in a very small percentage of my overall net worth, uh, 
that this is probably a good way to go. It's simple. It's easy. It's straightforward. It's still going to go along with the price of Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin hits, guess what? A 20% premium to today's price is not going to be the end of the world, right? Because Bitcoin's going to go to a million dollars a coin, right? If it hits, I talked about this before. Bitcoin is a binary outcome to me. It's either going to be massive and it's going to be worth tens of times more than it is today, or it's going to be worth zero. So that's why I don't have a large percentage. And I actually think zero is probably more likely than a million. But you have to understand that a million is still possible. It's still possible for Bitcoin to be the base layer of the future of currencies, right? There's a lot of mines. There's a lot of energy behind Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency space. And I think we get there eventually. I think it's the start of a multi-decade trend towards digital currency. But it's multi-decade. It's a very long-term play. And guess what? Very possible governments outlaw Bitcoin. Very possible that governments come with their own cryptocurrency that makes Bitcoin irrelevant. Very possible that technology doesn't advance enough to make Bitcoin viable as a base layer for a global currency. There's a lot still up in the air. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't own a little bit of it. But it depends on your overall allocation to the sector, to this asset, shall we say. It's a small amount. I think GBTC is a great vehicle. If it's a larger amount, probably want to go through the process of getting a Bitcoin wallet and the security and all that. It's more involved, but you're going to get a cheaper price, especially important if you're going to put a large amount into this space. Let's go to Roberto in Washington, D.C. is looking at Tesla. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Uh, thank it's you for going taking my well. call. What's your question? Yeah, so I just wanted to ask you just your thoughts about Tesla. You know, like, you know, listening to the show now, you haven't been the biggest Tesla fan, but, um, you know, today there was some nope. news with Tesla being included in the S&P 500. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just holding a few, you know, 10, 15 shares. And um, just wanted to see, first, what you thought of Tesla. And two, just in general, when a stock gets included in the S&P 500, how does that impact the short term? I know that a lot of um, in, investment companies now have access to buying the, the 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 shares now moving forward. So just wanted to see how that'll impact Tesla moving forward as a lot of funds will now be able to to get in now. Well, yeah. Well, it's funds have been able to get in before. It's just index funds are going to be buying uh, the shares. And uh, certain companies going to be leaving the S&P. Tesla's going to go into it. These index funds, which are now massive, right? Uh, especially the S&P index funds are massive in the market today. Um, a lot of money is going to be flowing to the stock. And that's why you're seeing this bump after hours. Now, now Tesla's a company. I'll admit, I've been very wrong on the stock. I've been very right on the company. The company, is, its financial performance has been very poor to middling at best. Uh, recent 
quote-unquote profitability has been driven by accounting gimmicks and not uh, not real uh, profits within the business, right? Changing the way that warranties are accounted for, etc. A lot of shady accounting gimmicks to get them into profitability to make it make it uh, to make it possible for them to be included in the S and P. So. You know, I, I think S&P made a bad decision here because I don't like Tesla as a business. Um, but, you know, time will tell. Uh, so I'm not a fan of it, but I've been wrong. So this is what it is. Thanks for the call, Roberto. 88899 chart, 88992 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We're going into our final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it ASAP. Only about seven minutes left. Your calls are vital to the show. So I we love hearing from you. We love all of your questions, whether they're simple or complex, we can handle them all. So this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. Listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program, a podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Good afternoon. My name is Johnny, and I'm a longtime listener from New York. I've been an investor for over four years and actively swing trading for over one year now. I recently stumbled across the ticker symbol ACV, which is a closed-ended diversified and convertible fund that is traded on the market. I'm calling to get some more information on this fund. I guess I don't understand how a closed-ended fund is being traded on the market and paying such a high dividend, and I'm curious what will happen with this price of the fund in the future when the assets convert, and would you recommend this as a core holding? Thank you guys for any advice, and I'll be calling more in the future to get your opinions. Thank you. All right, this is Allianz GI Diversified Income and Convertible Fund. And this is a levered portfolio of junk-rated bonds and convertible bonds. And it's actually top-holding is Tesla's uh, probably convertible, I'm assuming. And also, you know, owns Microsoft, Broadcom bond, actually Microsoft stock, owns some stock here, yeah. So that's interesting that it owns a mix of a little bit of common equity as well as junk bonds, as well as convertible bonds. And it's levered by about 25%. And so it's very, very high risk. And that's how it's getting that that yield, that very high yield distribution rate, about 7%. That's pretty high. Uh, but it mainly is because of that leverage ratio right around 25%. And that means it's highly volatile. And because leverage creates volatility. And you saw that back in March where this thing fell from about 26 and change all the way down to 11 and change in the span of a month, less than a month. And so that is because of the illiquidity in the corporate bond market. Now you could say the Fed's going to be saving that market consistently and they have been, right? Uh, And that may be your argument to hold this, but the Fed can't stop companies from defaulting. So, uh, you know, I don't love the name. I don't love leverage on top of junk bonds. 
and convertible bonds, which are also very volatile. So I'm going to pass on this. It would not be a core holding of mine. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's get to that. Let's get to what the Fed is likely to do. Now, they're likely to announce an extension of their $80 billion a month in treasury securities that they are currently purchasing, right? That was expected to be through the end of the year. The next FOMC meeting is on about a month from now, December 15th and 16th. So they'll announce on the 16th. And this is going to be probably in the heart of COVID accelerating. And it's going to be right after the electoral college vote as well, right? So a lot happening around that time. And the big question on top of that is a lame duck session in Congress. Are they going to pass a stimulus bill or is it going to be put off until February? I think it's going to be put off till February. I don't see any incentive for uh, Trump to, to really push forward on a stimulus bill. The the Democrats, or sorry, the Republicans in the Senate are trying to push through a $500 billion stimulus bill. The Democrats still want something north of $2 trillion. It's just there's too much of an impasse there. Even though it's going to hurt a lot of people for the holidays, people are going to be you know unemployed and you, know, you might have more shutdowns, etc. That's what we're kind of living on right now. It's not ideal in any sense of the word, but... It's what we what we have. And so the Fed is near its limit in what it can really do, right? Beyond that $80 million in treasury bills, beyond the $40 billion in, in mortgage-backed securities that they're buying every single month, they're injecting $120 billion into the financial system every month. And that's booing asset prices. But how is it really helping the real economy? And that's the issue here, is when you have such demand destruction, so, so much economic destruction from COVID, and the Fed is kind of out of bullets to really help the real economy when rates are basically at zero, mortgage rates are at 3%. They can't really do anymore. And that's why they continue to push for fiscal stimulus. Now, they'll say they have room to act, and they certainly do. They could continue to buy more junk bonds and really just throw money into the financial system, which is just going to continue with that kind of K-shaped recovery. Right? The, the people that are um, employed, people that have assets, they're doing well. People that are now unemployed because of the pandemic, that are maybe on the lower income level, they continue to slide. And that's really the big issue here. And that is a recipe for continued social unrest. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return tomorrow. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts for free download over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com, where they can listen live every weekday, 4 to 5 Pacific Time streaming. Just click on the Listen Live button. It's free. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer 
of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 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 888-99-C